Welcome to Crowding the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm pretty off. It is July 5th, if you're listening to this for the first day. How was your how was your holiday weekend? I plead the fifth. <laughs> I peed on the fifth? What? I plead the fifth. Oh. One, okay. two, three, four, five, fifth. 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 Oh. Hey, did did you uh did you enjoy your day off yesterday? <laughs> mm, what day off? Uh, the day of the day before that and the day before that. Yeah, they're all days off at this point. Uh, are we talking about the fact you're prepping? Oh, I don't care. I mean, I, I am. I'm Freddie's prepping. Yay. For, for a movie. Yay. So there. Yeah. Heading off to lovely Livingston, Montana. Woo, Montana. That's about it. That's all you get. <laughs> yeah, man. It's nice in the summer. So yeah, we're going to tease everybody about it. Well, you'll hear more about it in the future, but this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, it'll be cool, man. I'm very, you know, it'll be fun. I'm excited yeah. too. Um, so if you don't know already, you big nerds that collect movies. <laughs> Why? What's going on? <laughs> it's funny when you open up your DMs and stuff and you're like, you're in, there's like a dozen Barnes and Noble links to the Criterion sale. Yes. I was just talking recently about there's another Criterion sale coming up. Uh, I think when we were talking about fast times and of course, you know, I was waiting, I'm like, I'm waiting till the next sale. And then same thing with uh, the human condition. I've been waiting wait till it's on sale and less than a week later, there it is. Barnes and Nobles have a nerve 50% off criterion sale. And even though Amazon matches some of it, what's cool is Barnes and Noble changed their, their rules. I don't want to call it like a, some, but they're doing pre-orders now. So they're, you're allowed to get the same, 50% off on pre-orders, boom, which is great because because Deep Cover is coming out on the 13th and they're giving it to you for $19.99, which is awesome. And it's a smart way of doing things, quite honestly. And if it guarantees a sale, then just, then, then you get the sale. But if you're not going to put it, if you're not going to make it available, no one's going to go, I'm going to go and pay $40 for that movie because they know better. Right. You know, so there. But 50% off. Well, if you're going to drop it in the middle of your sale, then you're, I feel you're kind of obligated to sell it for 50% off. Yeah. Do it. And if you, and if you are a stickler for Amazon and you want it, you know, in a day or two, yeah, it's available. Most of the 1999 single disc titles are marked down. Some of the multi-discs are, um, I did finally get around to getting that John Cassavetes five pack. But I did have to buy it from Barnes and Noble because they weren't giving me kind of break on Amazon, which is fine because they actually have it in stock. And so I went over and picked it up. This is that what was it like four times a year? Like, like Criterion does it twice themselves, and then um, and then Barnes and Noble does it twice a year them to make up. I think like one a quarter, right? Something like that. One of them kind of handles mm-hmm. that. I think so. Yeah, they do it. Uh, <laughs> the last one was in wasn't the last one in March? Yeah, yeah, and I was like really good about Easter. not buying anything. I forgot what I bought. I bought something, but I bought a bunch of stuff. And Melody made a comment to me. She's like, "Oh, you got <laughs> most of it came yesterday." She's, "Yeah, but you bought a bunch of movies or a bunch of packages from Amazon were in the locker." And I'm like, "Oh, cool." And, and she said, <laughs> "It looks like movies." I'm like, "Oh yeah," because uh, of what happened with Freddie in his driveway. <laughs> Somewhere is. Oh, good lord, <laughs> dude! I was like think, trying to think on the on my feet, man. <laughs> So that's why yeah, I said that's good. to blame. It's okay. It's my fault. <laughs> and then I showed her the, I, I put up the Photoshop file that I sent you for your sign. Oh, right. I thought I had told her about it, but I guess I didn't. 
we'll save that. Maybe we'll do like a, a quick bite on that, right? For like for Patreon. Yes. You can tell your story. Like your Godzilla 98 story. It won't be as long though. Yeah. Well, no, no, God, no. It, but it is quite, it's, it's even more annoying than Godzilla 98. It is. Especially. Fuckers. I will save this. I'll let you tell the story in time. Um, so, so Bar- yeah, Barnes & Noble sale, it's, it's, again, you know what you're getting into. And if, the good thing is the sale runs until the 1st of August. So you might actually get some things re- in restock. I always thought that it was only like two weeks. Or even less than that. I always thought that B and H, uh, B B and H. Jeez, can you tell I, I, I'm a gearhead. Barnes and Noble usually has it like for maybe like ten days. I thought, but maybe that maybe I'm thinking more Criterion themselves is. Kind no, of I think it's Criterion themselves is like, but yeah. because Barnes and Noble, it's it's always seems. I'm, I'm always shocked that it, you know, like I'm like, oh, I missed it, and they're like, oh no, I'm still going on. Yeah, because oh. I think it's, it's roughly oh. like thirty days. Yeah, because they'll send you an on. email every fucking day yeah. to remind you. <laughs> Every day. Oh yeah. And the cool thing is, is Criterion themselves. Well, that's how I found out because it wasn't a Barnes and Noble email. It was, it was a Criterion email saying, Hey, and it's so funny. Like I said, it comes, you, you get them so frequently. So when you have, when you have your Barnes and Noble sale twice a year and it, you're getting 60 emails cause you're getting an email every day. I feel like it, when there's a Criterion sale, you know about it. So I'm I'm sure we're not breaking any uh, any uh, any news to anybody right now. But just buy stuff. I mean, even Mario, Mario like DM me and sent it to me, and like, <laughs> and he made a comment. I'm like, I, oh yeah, I already ordered everything. And he goes, oh man, that deep cover. And I'm like, oh shit, and maybe I didn't get everything I wanted. And I went back and and got uh, punched it up. Got the deep, got the deep cover, which is out on. I guess I mentioned it's out on. One eight seven on a motherfucking cop. Oh. <laughs> uh shit. Oh, that's right. I for, dude, I forgot about the track. God darn it. I don't know. Cut that <laughs> Lose my street cred with that with the with those Dre and Snoop fans out there. Come on, man. Um, you you know what's funny is that Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg song on there and that because Dre produced the the deep cover soundtrack and it's and it's great soundtrack. It really fits for the time too. And what's What's crazy about it is the entry, he introduced so many new artists, which is kind of what was Dre's thing back then, like with the chronic and, and aftermath, he really put some things out there and put people's names out there. You hadn't heard. And, and a lot of them really grew up from that blew up from those, those appearances on, on those two albums, three albums, if you count deep cover also. But what's funny is during the pandemic, um, I hadn't I hadn't bought the new Electronic Arts NHL game in a long time for a PlayStation, and I think I was still using the 2017 season. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I'll get the 2021 just because it's like super cheap and no one's buying any games right now. Well, people were buying games, but EA wasn't making any new ones. So I got it. And for those of you that pay attention to hockey, Snoop Dogg did a he did he was at a Kings game and he did the pre he did the pregame where he DJ the pregame. And then they eventually like, well, hey, you want to come up in the booth? So between periods, and I can't remember if it was the first intermission or second intermission, Snoop went upstairs and sat there and talked about hockey and everything. And uh, EA saw that and went, oh, shit. And so they put him on the, he's in the game. Huh. So he he like does a booth. He's like, so basically they, they more or less recreate the conversation that he had in the booth with Alex Faust and Jim Fox, the, the like Kings broadcasters here. 
it's a fun game. And every time, and they tease it like it's a te- like it's a television broadcast. They tease it and it goes, coming up in intermission, Snoop Dogg. And I'm like, oh, geez, dude. Right? And I don't want to hear it. Because it, it gets old. It's There's only so many things he can say. Right. And one of the things that, one of the things that bothered me is like, they asked the question of him, when did you get into hockey? Now, this wasn't part of the, the original broadcast. It's just something that was scripted. He ad-libbed a little bit. And he ad-libbed this answer. And I'm like, how the fuck did anybody not call him out on this? Or why include it in the game? He talks about how he used to listen to Chick Hearn call the games. And he goes, oh, and then the guy's response was, oh, so he used to do the Lakers too. Yeah, he did the Lakers also. But he did hockey too. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Chick Hearn, everybody that you don't know LA sports at all, never, ever, 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 ever did any hockey. In fact, the only time that he ever did anything related to hockey is when the voice of the Kings, Bob Miller and him and Vin Scully did a round table two decades ago. That's the closest he's ever been to being on air doing hockey. And I, and I, and I, I don't understand how they let that go. And it was a conversation that goes on for like 15, 20 seconds. I'm like, how do you not fucking, how do you not call that out or, or remove it? I understand why you don't want to embarrass the dude and just don't. Sure. Say something in the moment of recording in the booth. Just don't put it in the game. Yeah, man. And anyway, I just thought that was, it annoys the shit out of me. Melody's in the other room. She's like, did he say Chick Hearn? And now Chick and his, his wife used to come into Melody's um, eye doctor that she worked at. He was always very, very sweet to her. And what's kind of nutty and can't believe we're bridged, how quickly we're bridged to something like this. The day he, he went to the hospital, he had fallen in the garden and he was supposed to come in for an appointment. Either he was or both he and his wife were, but he had called and said that he had taken a spill in the garden and then he wasn't going to be able to make his appointment. And, you know, all sad. And they found out later on, he was in the hospital. And then that's when he passed from his injuries. So it's like, it was like such a fuck, man. It's weird. <laughs> so it sucks. Yeah. Anyway, Chick Hearn. Chick the voice of the Lakers will always be Bob Miller. The voice of the Kings will always be, even though I think Alex Faust, who does the play-by-play now since Bob retired, is killer. The dude's like top-notch. He's next level. And we're lucky because usually, because that's big shoes to fill, you know? Like, would you want to step into Chicker's role after he's gone? The butter's getting hard is all I'm going to say. No. <laughs> Dude, he... He was, he, Chick was a man who would say things that just stuck in the, you know, in, in your craw. And you remember, like you said, the butter is hardening and he would have all these chickisms and his chickisms were everything. And that's why he, and dude, he was so just like, I, I talked about that because I just mentioned the round table that the, of, of Vinny, Bob Miller and, and Chick. It was on, this is before even Fox Sports had bought it. It was still, um, fuck, what was it before that? It was Prime Ticket, right? It was Prime, Prime Sports Prime Ticket. That. Yeah, it was Prime. And, and they're doing, a, a, and it was amazing because at that point, you know, the Kings hadn't won a championship. And so here's Vin Scully, Hall of Fame broadcaster, Chick Hearn, Hall of Fame broadcaster, soon to be Hall of Fame, Bob, Bob Miller, Bob Miller and the Kings. Because he was employed directly by the Kings. And I think that was the case for all of them. Aren't, aren't all those guys like employed by the, the teams themselves, right? Like Vinny was was the Dodgers, was employed by the Dodgers. And yeah. Chick was employed by the, the Lakers. By the Lakers, yeah. Has to, I mean, travel with them. Yeah, him and Steve. Yeah. Yeah, dude. yeah. 
Yeah, because it, it didn't really matter because even if it wasn't on the normal channel. They didn't work channel, for the networks. They didn't work for, right, they right. Didn't work for, yeah, they worked for the teams, the organization. Right. And that's what's funny because Alex, like I mentioned, Alex Foss, who does the play-by-play for the Kings now, he did a whole bunch of these playoffs for NBC. If the Kings don't have an immediate need for him, he doesn't, he can do whatever he wants. Heck, two days before he was covering the NHL playoffs this year, he was in our building um, covering the, the spring league in the football. And he's, like I said before, the dude, Alex Foss is, he is a champ. Not only is he fucking killer his job, well-versed in whatever sport he's covering, well-versed in the teams of those sports, but he's fucking a mensch, dude. He is a great guy too. So again, we're lucky that as, as Kings fans to have him for the next 30 years, cause he's fucking he knows his shit and that's awesome. Our show is morphing into one of those terrible ESPN, um, Chinny and Golic Jr. shows. I don't know what either one of those dudes are. <laughs> I don't either, man. I just see anyways on the thing. I'm like, I don't care about that. So there you go. <laughs> the criterion sale. The criterion sale. Back to deep cover. Back to criterion. <laughs> Moving on, uh, just deep cover real quick. Uh, looking at the extras, some good stuff on there, man. Deep cover is uh, one of those movies I never would have imagined deep cover ever fucking being covered by the Criterion Collection, right? Like, right. you know, a few years ago, my biggest complaint about the Criterion was I don't care about Merchant Ivory films. <laughs> You're right. boring me. And now they're, you know, and now they're just pulling that shit like deep cover, defending your life. Fast times. Uh, so yeah, man, they've definitely, uh, they've definitely swung around or, you know, or times have just swung around and things that we grew up with that we like are now considered criterion collection worthy. Well, I think it's, I think it's a combination of that, but like, I think we kind of touched on it. When we were raving about the smaller boutiques. I think it's, they're kind of forcing their hand. It's like they're seeing, they're seeing shout, make it, you know, make some amazing packages. And then the, the arrow, same thing. And then the smaller ones now that are more like Criterion was 20 years ago, you know, the blue undergrounds and the severance and those kinds of, they're very niche. But then again, like you just talked about, so is Criterion at one point, they were very niche. Yeah. And you know, when 80% of their stuff is like, what, who the hell is that? I don't know what that is. I, that was, that was another plus too. It was kind of like, we we're just talking about deep cover and you're being introduced to a lot of hip hop artists that you had never heard of before but are now household names. There's lots of movies that you could see in Criterion of by directors and other filmmakers that I've, I've never heard of, but now I know who they are. I don't necessarily right. a fan of their work and that's fine, but I know, I know the name. So it does draw interest when that name comes up again. But yeah, I think, I think Criterion led the way. And now I think they're kind of playing catch up a little bit, but I think, as there is a lot to be said about what you're noting is as our youth is now becoming hit that nostalgic factor. And, and, uh, it's another, yeah. covering well, I mean, like Jesus deep dude, deep covers 20, uh, what 20 came out in nine, 30 years old now. Yeah. Came out in 91. Yeah. Crazy. It is. Like I remember, you know, you think about, uh, films that came out in the sixties, like when you were young, like in 1990, I was like, ah, I can't believe it. So 25 years, the Manchurian candidate hasn't been seen in 25 years. Well, <laughs> God, guess what? Like uh, deep cover has been out longer than that now. It's so weird. It's just, you know, time way it fucks with your yeah, head. Totally. But no, I'm, ex I'm, I'm excited to dig into some of this stuff. And, and I, of course I did pick up fast times and I picked up a, 
this gives me hope that the Criterion yeah. Collection will um, take Roger Donaldson's White Sands and give it a Criterion treatment. So here we are again. I don't care who does it. <laughs> I don't care if it's shout. Hey, Dustin, being Dustin, please, you know what? Push it. Push. Because I would love to see a package for White Sands that, that Justin Bean puts together. Just come on, somebody okay. put it together. We, we, we know we're both big fans of, of the uh, extras packages he puts together for shout and other companies throughout his reverend entertainment. But fuck man, I'm telling you it, we're in a good place right now as collectors. Cause it's, we're seeing some titles that I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause that defending your life, man. When I found out it was coming out on my, like, and I, it's one of those movies that just, Hmm. Maybe we should cover. Maybe we should do something like that. Maybe we should do a whole month of, of heaven sent movies. Yeah, let's do afterlife. Afterlife, could be, you know, but we won't cover afterlife. Which one's afterlife again? Isn't that the? Uh, isn't that the name of the one that Clint Eastwood uh, fucking flood movie? Isn't it called Afterlife? I don't even. Is know. it Matt Damon in that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, then there you go. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. No, I think I've seen a poster and part of a trailer. <laughs> so it's bad when you don't even watch a whole trailer. The trailer was uninteresting, and I was like, "Ah, I'm not going there." Anyway, so we won't be covering that, but we'll maybe we'll do a little, maybe we'll do a little uh, afterlife. Uh, you know, some fun stuff. There's plenty of them out there. Afterlife does that feel like one of those one for you movies for Clint? Uh, it, I don't know, man. It's weird because it came right after Invictus. I, I'd feel like you know, I, there's there's because there, you know he was just cranking out a movie a year, at, like you know, in the, <laughs> it seems like machine. it. Right. Yeah. Like, dude, I mean, God, dude, when is he, I mean, he's cranking one. He's got another one coming out now and he's probably getting ready to shoot another one. You know, he hits that, hits that Robert Altman age and all of a sudden he's just like, boom, 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 making movies. And I'm like, Robert Altman did the opposite. He stopped making movies in every, like one, every two years or every three years. And then here he is, is like, oh, I'm just going to keep pounding these out. But that's what he, there was a period of time where he wasn't doing that. But, but it, before that gap, and since that gap, he just kind of, he's just been going. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, it's like, Clint's one of those guys where we talked about during the rookie is like, you know, he's definitely a, a guy in the kitchen with a handful of spaghetti and thrown against the wall. And like some of it sticks and even the stuff that doesn't stick, you know, it's still worth watching because it's Clint. But. Yeah. I mean, dude, I really do. I like Invictus a lot. I just, uh, you know, but for some reason, man, here, oh, it's called Hereafter, not Afterlife. Hereafter is what it's called. Oh, there you and go. It was literally right after, it was his movie right after Invictus. And then, and then J. Edgar, so on and so forth. Jersey Boys. Speaking of J. Edgar, what are you watching these days, Corey? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm totally watching Bosch now. Um, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> not that I didn't trust your opinion about it. It was just, I, I was daunting, man. Cause I'm like looking going, that's a lot of seasons to go through. And then when you reminded me or at least pointed out something I didn't know. And that was, you know, there it's 10 episodes and they move pretty briskly too. And even though they're, they're, you know, they're 45, 50 minute episodes. It, they're so intriguing and the performances on by everybody, even if it's just, you know, guest stars, it's fucking, it's pretty fucking great. And I challenge anybody to find me a better show, honestly. And I'm only one, I'm only one season in. So 
the, the cast is fantastic. Like I've gotten, like I need a yeah. reason to go on about Bosch, but um, one of the things I've never said about Bosch, which I think I absolutely should is it's got one of the best title sequences ever. Yes. Okay. So Joey and I have been watching the Daniel Craig bomb movies. Well, we just watched the first two. Well, a portion of the first, the second one. And he makes a comment to me about the opening credits. And of course, you know, every bond opening credit has been great, but the Daniel Craig ones, man, props to the title companies that created those are so fucking good. So I said, Ooh, take off your, your headset. Cause he has VR headset on come in here and watch this. And I showed him the opening to that and knowing nothing about the show. I just told him other than, you know, this is a, you know, a, an LA cop show. And he goes, okay. And he goes, dad, that's really good. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. <laughs> It's, it's yeah, man. super simple, but you know, somebody that's done enough graphics and enough visual effects for, you know, for, cause I did the, I've done some DVD work, you know, DVD menu work. I struggle to find that line where, where you can see the scene where they flip the image. I can't find it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, yeah, dude. it's really fucking great. I'm a big fan of title sequences. I mean, that's, you know, one yeah. of the reasons I think, you know, when David Fincher drops a movie, uh, yes. one of, you know, my, one of the things I'm always most excited about is I want to see what that opening title sequence is going to be like before the movie. I remember, right, right. you know, seeing girl with the dragon tattoo with my buddy Keith yes. and, uh, literally we were both just like fucking looked at each other like, Fuck, like, right, you know, after that opening title sequence, yeah. then, you know, then you go into the movie. It's just crazy. I'm reminding everybody again, the website, the art of the title.com or it might be dot net. Yeah. Anyway, I'll put it in the show notes. It's, it's, it's fucking great. And it's always updated and it, it's really a wonderful site. Uh, I'm quite honestly, it's one of those things that, you know, song exploder is a podcast where they breaks down with the artist, uh, a song of theirs, like, and they break down the songwriting process. And it's great. Cause they'll give, they'll give stems of, a, of that song to the podcast and they kind of talk about it. It's really well produced. Well, they graduated to doing a Netflix show, which I think I re mentioned recently. I would love to see the art of the title become a, t a Netflix show. I really think that it's it, it, would, it would open up the world of graphic design to people that aren't familiar with how it's done. And But I would like to see them do a modern day version of it where everything's using Photoshop and After Effects and, and, and Maya and that kind of thing. But I want people to see it from back in the day when they're when they basically have print guys, you know, doing four color and all that stuff. I want people to be able to see both, see the comparison, uh, like live and let die. Like, oh, that opening title credit sequence versus like any of the any of the Daniel Craig movies. I would love to see that parallel. But yeah, dude, the Bosch opening is so fucking good, and the song, dude. Yeah, and and you, dude, if you listen to and if you listen to this on Patreon. You're hearing that song under the bed of us, of the closer of this. I'm putting it in there because it's yeah. fucking great, man. It is, man. I mean, like, again, celebrating the last season of Bosch, but, uh, you know, celebrate all seasons. Start at the beginning. If you haven't, it's not too late. You won't be sorry. Dude, it was so funny because I'm like, every time somebody pops up on screen, I'm like, uh, so our man, Robbie Jones from American Dreamer shows up, but I'm like, yeah, fucking Robbie Jones. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was great. Um, but like I said, the cast across the board, man, there's not a sour note amongst anything. And there's a moment in there. I think I, I think I had, I texted you about it where Bosch is talking to his daughter. I can't remember if it happens when he's with her. There's this, and I think I use the word vulnerability. You see this change in him and, and, and how he, his face and Titus fucking rolls, dude. He is just, 
He's so fucking great on the show. And across the board, man, I get the writing is great. The editing is great. The pacing is great. And thank God, fucking thank God it's not handheld. I was so worried it was going to be handheld because it just felt like it was going to. And I don't mind it. I just didn't want to be another one of those shows because it doesn't bother me. I know it bothers some people like it makes them ill or whatever. And it's unsettling, but it, it wouldn't have worked on the show anyway. There's a certain there's a certain amount of steadiness and control that the man has. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's a, it's, it, it would, the pacing, which is one of the, we you know, which is on this show is like impeccable. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do it with handheld. It just wouldn't work. No, it, it's a, no. it's, it's a whole nother. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I, I love handheld, but you're kind of over it. It's been overused too much lately. Like it really ruins a lot of, a lot of shows I think would be better with less at this point. Right. You know? Right. Can you, can you imagine, like can you watch all seven seasons? Can you imagine seven <laughs> seasons of handheld of that? Nope. It wouldn't, nope. I don't think it would have gone that far. I don't think it would have, I don't think it would have lasted I, that long. I agree. And because there's, there's only one place to see the show and that's on prime. And I, I do, I think I was like halfway through the season, the first season. And I said, my dad's going to love this show. And just now I have to get him to, turn on the prime app on his on his tv because he won't you know he is he's not gonna do you like the least amount of effort is going to be exuded go over there and go over there and set it up for him Corey. come on well you know what um i had to take my mom to the airport throw throw yourself on your sword and go throw yourself on your sword and go over there and set it up it'll be only be it only hurt for a minute Uh, it's hurting for a lifetime yeah, well, what's a little more hurt? Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm making dad jokes. Not those kind of dad jokes. Anyway, so yeah, there you go. I have nothing else to add TV-wise other than I'm going to be diving into Fear Street, right? Yeah, yep. I watched the first episode. I'll let, I'll let you catch up and then we'll talk about it. I don't want to say anything about it. It's And it's weird how they're doing it. It's it's an anthology, but it's like feature-length anthology. It's almost like a trilogy. It's a trilogy. But you're getting it in like a couple weeks apart. So like part two will be out on Friday, the ninth, and uh, part one's already out there. It's on Netflix, and yeah, we're gonna crack that open. So technically, it's like what's well, fear? It's Fear Street part one, and then uh, that 1994 just premiered on Friday, and then part two is 1978, and that is on this Friday, and then part three is 1666. <laughs> How's that for rolling back? And that'll be the following week on July 16th. And I, from what I can see is the, the 66 thing kind of comes into play the, the first episode, I think. Yep. Um, the first part, I should say. It's weird to say it because you want to say episode because you know there's more coming. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting model and how they're doing it because I don't recall anybody doing it this way where it's basically three feature films divvied up. But I guess it's a, I guess in a lot of ways, those limited series are that they're just cut a different way. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know what I would call it, but I, I just call it an episode because I know there's more coming. So, right, right. It doesn't feel, I don't know. Again, watch it and then we can, I don't, I just don't want to, I don't no, want to no, taint no. anything it, or give anything away. Yeah. You said taint. <laughs> taint. <laughs> taint. Ain't nothing going to taint my stride. <laughs> Oh shit. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, let's <laughs> you can follow the official at Karate Pod. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd, you can follow Corey at Corey underscore Culp. 
or if you want to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporter. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. And I know I lied last week. The Instagram account is live, but I, uh, I, I shit the bed on putting those the postings up. All you see right now is Oswald, but um, it is at Karate Pod on, on Instagram and we'll have some stuff. If you like to follow me celebrating the 4th of July, <laughs> it's Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody. And one last thing, it taint true. <laughs> you can follow me on, on Chief Brody. Let's <laughs> just go for that rhyme. Chief Brody. Yeah, man. Yeah. hope you guys enjoyed Jaws this weekend and Jaws oh, too. Man. I, it's, I was surprised how many people were digging it. I'm not surprised, but it, there's a shared uh, love for the movie. I I didn't think w- was there, you know, because everybody's running around with their with their jaws boner when it comes Fourth of July. I'm like, well, yeah, well, you know what? Just because three and four blow doesn't mean they all blow. You know what it boils down to is everybody loves a good number two. Mm-hmm. And you got five plop. of them from us. Plop, plop. <laughs> <laughs> Open up wide. <laughs> Open up wide. <laughs>